What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer reporter, Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Available wherever you get podcasts. And now also on YouTube. That's right, we're on YouTube. This is the end of our second week on YouTube, and we're climbing up towards 500 subscribers. Our goal is to get to 1,000 by Halloween. So if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, search YouTube on your phone right now or or your computer, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, phone, phone most likely. Wherever you're listening to this, search for Lockdown Blazers on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Help me grow the show. I would truly, truly appreciate it. Today's episode is the latest installment of the Lockdown Blazers countdown to tip off. We're looking at every player on the roster and giving you a brief but thorough look on what they'll bring to the Trailblazers. We're going to look at how they performed last season, uh, how they wound up on the Trailblazers in some cases. We'll explore the best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming year, and then we'll finish the episode with the discussion of expectations and a likely role on this season squad. This is our fourth installment of The Countdown, so make sure to check back in your feed for the other players we've done. Uh, today, we're switching it up a little bit as opposed to just doing one player per episode. We got to get this in before the season starts and it's coming y'all so today's episode we're looking at all things Anthony Simons and Larry Nance Jr. so let's start with a look at what they both did during last season start with Simons he was already on the trailblazers we don't need to talk about how he ended up here he was already here last year Simons averaged 7.8 points 2.2 rebounds 1.4 assists and 17.3 minutes in 64 games it was zero starts. All of his appearances were off the bench. Bench, excuse me. He shot 41.9% from the floor, 42.3% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. That's 80.3% if you want to get super granular. Simons was, he was basically always a part of the rotation unless he wasn't. And and he he was getting that sort of backup guard minutes playing on the second unit that was typically his role but the sort of scoring explosion that you may have expected from Simon someone with his physical gifts just never quite came uh he he had his moments here and there uh topping the 20 point mark twice during the season and you know he got an invite to the NBA slam dunk contest at all-star weekend and won a dunk contest there were some certainly some highs for Simons but what what sort of what came what really when it all kind of clicked for him was late in April April 20 April 27th against the Indiana Pacers he had 27 points four boards four assists and two steals and hit his first nine three-pointers it was a moment where you said oh when it all clicks for Ant this is what it looks like and like I said he had mostly been part of the plan and I think that's like the the real compliment you can give Simons is that um he was given a he was given an opportunity to play a bunch of minutes and he seized him he, he you know he 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 never lost his his spot uh whether that was roster construction or or front office plan or, or Terry Stotts's plan he only occasionally and seemingly randomly was out of the rotation over the course of the season it would just be it would just be these weird stretches where uh, Stotts would say, okay, Rodney Hood gets these minutes, or okay, Gary Trent Jr. gets these minutes, or or uh, Nazir Little very briefly gets these minutes. Um, but after that game against the Pacers, 27 points, <laughs> four boards, four rebounds, two steals, monster game, nine three-pointers. It's like, oh, we all get it, and we all getting it, included Terry Stotts. It was basically... That was it. He from from that moment forward, um, 
he was part of the uh, part of the plan. Uh, the Blazers shortened up the rotation to an eight-man rotation that included Anthony Simons over the final uh, the final fourteen games. He actually that was that was with about uh, that was the twelfth to last game of of the regular season. But from that point forward, there was no questions. He had, he had been playing pretty regularly, but from that point forward, Simons was going to get a, a slightly more increased role. Um, not a handful more minutes than when he was regularly playing, but like. Um, the bench was tightened up and Simons wasn't caught, wasn't lost. He wasn't lost behind it. He was part of that eight man rotation and he had earned it. Um, in part because of that awesome shooting night against the Pacers and he like showed what he could be, but in part because they needed, they needed a punch and his inclusion in that eight man group continued into the playoffs where in game one of the playoffs at 14 points and hit four of five threes from deep. And you said, yeah, it makes sense. I get it from Simons. This was another one of the peaks. Unfortunately, the sort of up and down nature of what Simon's like sort of high-end production uh, came back in games two through five, where he scored 24 total points over the next five games. So 14 in game one, and then just 24 total in games two through five. And the Blazers were outscored by 40 points with him on the court in the final uh, five games of the series. It was, you know, this was, Simon's was not... um, touted as he's the guy as much this season but he was give still given an opportunity and for the most part he was solid if unspectacular he can really shoot it he proved himself last season to be one of the elite shooters in the league he um by some shooting metrics including those of b-ball impacts he was one of the best spot-up shooters in the nba in the 99th percentile among uh perimeter shooters that's um for degree of difficulty for for standstill shooting just for shooting, it also accounts for shooting off the dribble. Like he's just he's one of the elite shooters in the game, according to NBA.com stats. He's one of the best catch and shoot shooters in the league, and then in the 96th percentile. Like he is, he's he's really he really showed that he's he's that. And the moments when he hit shots, he was incredible. That was kind of the Simon story: is that he deserved to play because he could do all those things. The question was, what else could he do? We'll talk about the what else in the next segment. Larry Nance Jr was a Cleveland Cavalier last year where he averaged 9.3 points, 6.7 rebounds, and 3.1 assists. In 31.2 minutes, appeared in 35 games, including 27 starts, shot 47% from the floor, 35% from three, and 61.2% from the free throw line. Uh, Nance's story is as much about not playing as it is about what he did on the court. Uh, I mean, available for just 35 of the 72 games not quite half the season it's um this is this is the story for Nance he missed nearly a month uh in in February and into March with a uh, with a broken left hand and wrist uh finger finger type of injury his whole left hand was um was broken uh he missed another chunk of games with a non-COVID illness in uh in early April and he, where he reportedly lost 20 pounds like he, he got really sick and missed another eight games in there and then he missed the final 12 games of the season with a fracture when he fractured his right thumb fighting for a loose ball against the Washington Wizards. It's the story of Larry Nance is that when he plays, he's a guy who can average nine, seven, and three assists at his size. You can play 30 minutes a night at either of the bigs of uh, either of the forward forward spots. Well, really power forward in the center is what I'm trying to say here. And you know, he's he's really productive. The problem is availability is a if, is perhaps the most important ability. And uh, Larry Nance wasn't available enough last season to be truly appreciated. Here's some Larry Nance numbers you might not know. He never attempted more than 13 field goals and only attempted double-digit field goals 
in 11 of his 35 games. He he almost had more games with three steals, nine, which is bonkers, nine three-steal games, as he did games where he attempted 10 shots. Dude is a low-usage beast. He's not going to put a lot of shots up, but he is um, multi-talented and special. Larry Nance Jr. Is, was acquired by the Portland Trailblazers then this offseason in a three-team deal that sent Derek Jones Jr. and a, a lottery-protected first-round pick to Chicago. The Bulls sent Lowry Markkinen to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Blazers acquired Larry Nance Jr. He's going to play this year. And we'll talk about kind of his role and my expectations for that role to close out the show in the third segment. But before we get there, in the second segment, I want to talk about the best case and worst case scenario for both these guys. I think um, we haven't seen either of these two gentlemen at their best. Um, Larry Nance Jr. has probably gotten closer to what he can be just because he's older. He's, he's gotten closer to his ceiling. But we haven't seen either of these guys at their best. So I want to hash out what their best case scenario for the while they're on the Blazers next season and their worst case scenario in the second segment. We'll talk about the two poles and kind of where they're going to land in that polarity in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Sleeper. Look, the fantasy experts at Sleeper were... were Fantasy basketball junkies probably like you are. And in 2018, they realized that it was the sport was broken, that the game was broken. So they set out to fix it. And then two years later, in 2010, 2020, they released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards the team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. So the days of losing because your opponent's players simply played more games that week... They're over. The days of the mindless daily busy work, they're over too. And the days of giving up halfway through the season because of that same mindless daily busy work, they're gone. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player. You can just do it based on the matchup, whether it's home and away, the opponent's you know, defensive ranking, uh, pace of play, all those things. It all adds up to more strategy and less busy work. And you can play whatever type of fantasy basketball you want to play. They got it. Redraft, Keeper, Dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. The Sleeper app has got you covered. Download it today. Start a league with your friends. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. So we talked about Larry Nance Jr. and Anthony Simons, what they did last season, and how Larry Nance Jr. wound up on the Trailblazers. Now what I want to talk about in the second segment is the best and worst case scenarios for both gentlemen. But uh, the caveat here is that this is best case scenario within reason and worst case scenario without injury. So listen, we're not neither of these two gentlemen have a chance to win the Most Valuable Player Award. We're not going to talk about the best case scenario of them popping off and, and uh, being most valuable players. And we're not going to talk about the worst place scenario of, of bodies breaking down. Worst case scenario happens on the court. I want these things to be things that happen between the lines, basketball worst case scenarios without, without injuries, within reason. So what's the best case scenario for Anthony Simons this year? Well, the best case scenario is that Anthony Simons remains that elite shooter and finally morphs into a true point guard. The best case scenario was that the promise from Chauncey Billups to get the ball in Ant's hands and let him be a distributor finally pays off. The best case scenario for Amphrey Simons is that 
with the ball in his hands and a chance to be that true primary guard with the weapons around him and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum is that Anthony Simons morphs into the thing that he's promised to be for two years. And that's two full seasons of saying Anthony Simons can be the backup point guard and him not being able to live up to it. It's not his fault that the team is overpromised, but now it's his opportunity to deliver and Entering the final season of his rookie deal, it's a it's a wonderful chance to Anthony Simons to go secure a whole a whole big payday because this is the best case scenario is that it all pays off. Is that Anthony Simons is an elite shooter, he's an elite distributor, and a guy who never got to the rim last season and struggled to get to the free throw line, finally channels that high level athleticism that saw him win the dunk contest into functional attacking downhill skills in the NBA. The best case scenario for Anthony Simons is that the promise, when when Evan Turner looked me in the eye in the locker room four years ago and said, this kid's going to be good. No, Mike, you don't get it. Like, really, really, really good. That is that three really seal of approval from, from Evan Turner. And I think when I talk to him later on, he might have even given it the five really seal of approval. Like, the best case scenario for Anthony Simons is that, that the veterans who saw him as a 19-year-old come into the league are right about him as a 22-year-old. The best case scenario is that Anthony Simons is an NBA point guard. He doesn't have to be a star to hit his best case scenario. Anthony Simons just has to be what he's been promised to be for a couple years. If, if Simons is a point guard, he hits that ceiling. He'll be a special player if he adds that. The worst case scenario, quite frankly, is that Anthony Simons has a repeat of last season. I don't think it gets worse than that, but a repeat will feel bad. The worst case scenario is that Anthony Simons is not a point guard. The worst case scenario is that Anthony Simons is not someone who gets downhill. And the worst case scenario is that Anthony Simons is still a very bad defensive player. If he is merely what he was last season, that's the worst case scenario. What does that look like? Well, it looks like a guy who shoots about four threes a game at a really high level. It looks like one of the best shooters in the league. The worst case scenario doesn't mean that Anthony Simons is not an NBA player. It just means he's probably not a long-term solution for the Trailblazers. The worst case scenario is that Anthony Simons, who is extension eligible as we're recording this podcast, eligible to sign a rookie extension and will be a restri- very likely or almost certainly a restricted free agent next summer, is not in the Blazers' future plans because what they don't need is to lock up a six foot three shooter next to Dame, CJ, and Norm. If Anthony Simons doesn't add a new dynamic, a new layer to his game, the worst case scenario is that this is his final season in Portland. I believe he's a long-term NBA player at his current skill level, a 42% three-point shooter, um, a really a guy who can shoot off the dribble, who can shoot off the catch. Like, I think that's a long-term NBA player. I think that's a long-term good NBA player even, but it's not an NBA. It, the worst case scenario is that that long-term good NBA player is someone who needs to be the third guard on another team because being the fourth guard here is going to require a couple more layers to your game. The worst case for an Anthony Simons is that last year, is what he is what he becomes. He becomes a guy who can really shoot, and and if you give him big minutes, can average you know twelve or fifteen points per game, but doesn't and occasionally pops off for twenty five, but doesn't have much else, and doesn't have doesn't add doesn't have much wiggle on offense, and the dunks you see come in practice videos. They come on Instagram. You don't see him in the game. You don't see that functional wild athleticism show up. The worst case for Anthony Simons, you just saw. It's the twenty 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 one version. That wasn't the worst case scenario for him last year, but it absolutely, as the timeline moves forward, is the worst case scenario for him this season. Let's move on to Larry Nance Jr. What's the best case scenario for Larry Nance Jr.? Well, it's that he's the ultimate glue guy. 
his it all it all clicks and it all maybe importantly it all sticks for Larry Nance Jr. The shooting the shooting continues to tick up towards league average. He becomes a threat as a floor spacer and he's more than just a great passer and a dribble handoff magician. But the best case scenario is that he's all of that. He's a league average or slightly above three-point shooter and the three-point shooting convinces him the success three-point shooting convinces him to shoot a little bit more which makes him a little more dangerous becoming a higher usage player makes larry nance jr all of his other gifts the passing the screen setting the rolling the the great timing on offense just open up the rest of the offense and the best case scenario for larry nance jr is that he's the solution the blazers need on defense and he's a solution at multiple spots not only is he the solution at power forward where he's going to play a ton of minutes next to cody zeller off the bench and probably some minutes next to Yusuf Nurkic as, as a backup power forward in that role too, but that he's a solution to guard wings on some nights and he's a solution to go small and play five. The best case scenario for Larry Nance Jr. is that he's the answer to so many of the questions. How do the Blazers do this? Larry. The best case scenario is that Larry is... is a versatile player on offense, a versatile player on defense, and that versatility is celebrated. It doesn't seem like a guy who can do just a little bit. It's a guy who can feels like he can do everything. And because of the way the Blazers are constructed, Nance won't be asked to do anything more than a fourth option anytime on offense. The best case scenario, he's the best fourth option on offense in the league. He will occasionally get a, a top-level assignment on defense, but the best-case scenario is that you play him next to Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington a little bit or next to one of the, those guys in any pairings, and the Blazers maintain a league average to a slightly above-average defense all year long, and that Larry Nance pops that up with his defensive versatility and just who he is, the ultimate glue guy. That's the best-case scenario. What's the worst-case scenario? The worst-case scenario is that Nance can't shoot, and then he doesn't shoot, and then... All of the problems that come with that on offense open up. Uh, instead of being a dribble handoff magician and a great passer, the bl- teams can clog the lane because he's playing power forward next to a non-shooter in, in uh, uh, Cody Zeller. And the worst case scenario for Larry Nance Jr. is that he's actually not the answer to the to any of the Blazers' questions, and he becomes a question mark himself. The worst case scenario is that he turns out to be truly a small ball five, miscast as a four, and occasionally to ask play asked to play some minutes guarding threes. The worst case scenario is that he clogs the paint for Zeller and clogs the paint for Nurk and makes the Blazers have real issues on the offensive end. The worst case scenario is that the Blazers needed a glue guy and what they found was a decent power forward who really should be a, a who really should be a center. The worst case scenario is that the Blazers built a roster where Larry Nance Jr. isn't as easy to plug in and that his gifts and what he does well and all the things that make him special don't fit. The worst case scenario is that Larry Nance Jr. is is merely useful, but not a solution. The worst case scenario is that is all of the things maybe you worry about anyone going forward is that a slightly below average shooter who doesn't want to shoot is a liability, and a guy who is a great help defender asked to be a point of attack guy kind of takes away from what makes him special. Those are the polls for Ant and for Larry. What I want to do in the third segment to close out the show is talk about the role and expectations for these guys. Uh, everyone is likely to land somewhere in between these two, uh, these best case and worst case scenarios, and we'll touch on that in the third segment. But then, what are the expectations? Like, what are realistic expectations on this team in this roster functionally for these two gentlemen? Where are they going to fit? How are they going to play? And what should we expect from them? And that's what we'll do to close the show. 
But first, let me tell you about betonline.ag. It's the number one spot to bet on football, pro college football, whatever it is. This is it is football season, and if you want to get in on betting on any type of betting action on football, there's no better place to do it than betonline.ag. Props on all the games, contests happening all weekend long, updated real time updated odds on every college football game and every NFL game all weekend long. And if you sign up right now using the promo code Locked On, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus if you're a new customer. When you're making that first deposit, put in the promo code Locked On, and they will give you a 50% welcome bonus. $100 magically becomes $150 when you use that promo code Locked On. Don't wait around. Take advantage of this deal. Go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is. They're not messing around. They're not doing, there's no trick here. The trick is that they're making the best tasting protein bar on the market. And look, I've been telling you about Built Bars for what seems like forever, but I've also been enjoying Built Bars for what seems like forever. Like these are, these are products that are in my home. Um, I'm a, I'm partial to cookies and cream. Uh, I'm partial to peanut butter brownie. Those are two, those are two money flavors that are, you will very, very, very often uh, find in my cabinet. The only reason you wouldn't is because we ate them all. Uh, and I love, I love them because they're, got a great texture. They're, they're soft and easy to chew. They're covered in hundred percent chocolate. They're that little treat you might need in the little of the day, middle of the day to boost your blood sugar. But they also pack like a real punch. Not only are they going to boost your blood sugar because they're like a sweet treat without too many calories, but 17 to 18 grams of protein and only 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, no more than five grams of net carbs, all tasty, all healthy. You don't need, you don't need to hear me tell you anymore. Head on over to built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. That's built.com. Promo code is LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Shout out to Dre Slaps, who makes all the music. Uh, for this very podcast. Uh, you can find a link to all of Dre's work, his music, and his merch in the episode description for this very episode. We are still cruising through our player previews. We're talking about Anthony Simons and Larry Nance Jr. We talked about what they did last season. We talked about best and worst case scenarios. Now I want to talk about reasonable role and expectations. Um, a caveat that I mentioned in the second segment I want to repeat here is that like the best and worst case scenarios are supposed to be the poll. Like, um, or the like polarities, right? It's like Anthony Simon's worst case scenario is that he has a repeat season. His best case scenario is that he's a he's like a certified NBA point guard. I think it's reasonable to guess that he's probably not a certified NBA point guard, but he can get darn close and he can make real strides and he'll be significantly better than last season. He's going to average a career high in assists. Bank it. He averaged less than two a game last year. He's going to he's going to shatter that. Uh, he'll he'll flirt with a career high in scoring as well because I think he's just going to play more minutes. I think he's like he averaged under 18 last year. I think he's going to play 20 plus a night. Like he's, he has a big role on this team and they're going to give him an opportunity to play backup point guard. Chauncey Billups has said it and we saw in the first preseason game is that is that Simons is going to get the ball. They're going to let him be uh, the primary ball handler and they're going to let him be the primary ball handler while Dame is on the court, while CJ is on the court. Like they want him to be that because they think the offense can be more dynamic and they think it really helps them. Uh, 
how long that'll last with, you know, Dame and CJ's preferences, we'll see. But, like, he's going to get an opportunity. And if it works for Ant and it works for the other guys, I think it can be a real boon to the offense. I like I like the idea. But he's, um, every time is not in danger of not playing. He's He's got a huge carved out role for him. And he's got a big, big year ahead of him. And they want him to play a bunch of minutes. And they want him to play a bunch of minutes as an initiator on the offense. Whether that means point guard or primary guard or offensive initiator guard whatever it might whatever like positions it might be I think we're we're really we're really getting up against the point where positions are um are less helpful than they are helpful but like he, he's he's going to be someone who helps initiate the Blazers offense and um you know I think I think Ant's in for a big year do I think Ant is going to average 15 and 5 and be like a um you know six man of the year candidate no I, I do not think that um I, I think he'll be the I think he'll be solid though and reliable. And one of the, my big curiosities with Ant is on a team that promises more touches for Norman Powell, how can they balance giving the ball to Ant more and utilizing Norm more? How do both of those things happen? Um, I think they can happen together, right? Like if Ant is the initiator, he can pass the ball to Norman Powell. That's how it can work. But those are the two big things. My other question with Ant is, can he become a rim player at all can he become a guy who gets to the rim any type of rim pressure um he doesn't need a dunk like i don't care about the dunks but like get, use his athleticism to get into the paint um use his he's he he shot ter- he shot way worse on two pointers like 40 percent, than he did on three pointers over 42 percent um that's that's untenable he's you gotta you gotta get he has to get better there uh, one of my big questions for ant is like does he um, does he develop some sort of mid-range pull-up game? And more importantly, can he just get to the rim? Is he a guy who can get to the rim? Can he take Can he take three shots at the rim a night, whatever that might look like? We didn't see that in the first preseason game. That doesn't mean shit to me. Like that's 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 just like of note. We didn't see him get downhill with the ball in his hands. He'll have opportunities to turn the corner. Let's see. Yeah, go ahead and turn the corner. Get to the rim. Get downhill. Use that. Use that athleticism. Use that um, attack. Use that. Use that ability to attack. The role for Larry Nance Jr. is I, I also think he's going to play, a, uh, like, he's going to play. Um, he's locked into playing a bunch of minutes. Um, I am really curious to see if he plays, how much backup uh, center he plays. Like, he's a backup four on most nights. He's going to play a bunch next to Cody Zeller. He's going to play a bunch next to Nurk. Um, it's unclear to me how how Larry Nance Jr. can get minutes at the three. That's, like, been a talking point people have mentioned. I, um... I don't get it, y'all. Like I look at the roster. How the how the hell does he play there? Like who play if if Larry if Larry Nance Jr. is playing three, who's playing four? The only the only answer is Rocco. And if Rocco and Larry Nance are on the court together, <laughs> is Nance the three? Like, is that how that works? Here's here's like the only way it would work. Those two gentlemen share the court together along with Yusuf Nurkic or Cody Zeller. But those are your two forwards along with a traditional center. And then uh, Nance guards the three. Like Larry Nance has, you know, guards uh, whoever might be the the small forward on the other team. I was going to say Kawhi Leonard, but he's not, he's not going to play very much. So, like, he, he will guard the three. And that's how you would say, oh, Larry Nance Jr. is playing the three. Like, I think that maybe that's... Um, maybe we'll drop positions and we'll just say who di- who did you guard or what types of players did you guard and that will be um, and that will be a solution and what types of players guard you. I think that's maybe a more uh, reasonable way to treat what positions look like in the in the uh, in the NBA. So I, I don't think Nance can play the three. I'm really curious. To, he can't play the three because he just the roster, right? He could probably play a little. You could sneak some minutes with him as a small forward, but 
I don't know how really. Um, that, I guess like um, Patrick Patterson makes the team and you play him at the four. Um, but that doesn't even make sense to me really either. Um, I want to see him play five. I want to see him small ball. I want to see small ball Larry Nance. I want to see I want to see Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, Larry Nance Jr. That is the lineup I am most excited, most intrigued by this year. Not because I think not because I'm like hate centers. I love centers. Uh, I love I love um, back to basket players. Like I. Al, Al Jefferson's one of my all-time faves. Like, um, I love a slow plotting center, but, um, I think the, that, that versatility, particularly not in the regular season as much, but in the playoffs, that versatility to, to scale down and play small and play fast and have, have, have shooting at a bunch of different spots, like that spread offense with Damon CJ attacking and Norman Rocco spread and then Norm attacking with the spread group and Larry Nance Jr. being that facilitator. And then on the potential for them to be still competent on defense on the other end with what Rocco and Larry Nance can do as help defenders and maybe some, um, maybe some help from, you know, maybe Norm being a good point of attack defender, or a better point of attack defender, and just, um, some level of competence from Damian Lillard and, um, you know, CJ continuing to be kind of like average, but, um, not spectacular on that end. Uh, I think like that's, that's the lineup I want to see that for me, the exciting part about Larry Nance Jr. is him playing center. Um, I don't think he's going to play it a ton, certainly not early in the season. Um, but, and I don't think that's going to take away from what he does necessarily. I think he can. I think he can function as an because he's a good interior passer. Like um, he's probably the best interior passer on the team. And by that I mean like, um, you know, Dame can make incredible skip passes with his strength. But when you get him in close quarters, he's not as talented a passer as, as some other guys. And Nance is in close quarters a really creative, really fun passer. Um, you saw it in the preseason game already. He caught one on the he caught one on the baseline and just immediately found Zeller underneath. And he, and and Cody got fouled like. Nance can play and he can play next to a lot of guys. I'm not, I'm not like worried about his fit. I'm, I'm a big, I'm like a big believer in him being the Blazers sixth best player. Um, if not better than that, like I'm, I'm high on him. I, I, I really believe he can help. Like I, I think Larry Nance Jr. Like just for the sake of this is like way better than Anthony Simons. Um, he doesn't have as high a ceiling maybe as Simons, but he's much closer to whatever his productive ceiling is. So, um, while I'm not like, I'm not going to predict like just to where I think Ant can reach some statistical career high, some, um, like he can have a career high, he'll have a career high in assist this year, I think just book it and he can probably, um, could eclipse his career high in scoring. I don't know if I project that for Nance just because of what his role is going to be, but, um, outside of the box score, Larry Nance Jr. can be massively impactful and an awesome addition for this team. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. All right. I think that's going to do it for today's show. Um, we're going to have to pack these in. Uh, I really want to get player previews out before the season starts, and I have a new plan that will accomplish just that, but we're going to have to do two guys in one. Um, I'm sure it doesn't matter to you, but it matters to me and my my sweet, sweet Excel uh, spreadsheet I had to, I had to uh, reorganize this evening. So thanks for rocking with me. I hope you enjoyed this one. Like I said, um, if... If you want to hear the other player previews, we've got Nazir Little and Yusuf Nurkic and Cody Zeller and CJ McCollum waiting in your feed. Uh, this is the fifth one we've done. I think up top I might have said fourth, but this is the fifth one we've done. Uh, these guys are five and six. So uh, we've got more coming. Uh, on Monday, we're going to look at Robert Covington and Norman Powell. So if uh, we've got more player previews on the way, we've got a, a, we got a, a Blazers game on Monday night. They play the Kings in preseason. We'll have a recap of that game Tuesday. We're going to have mailbag next week. It'll be in your feed on Wednesday. This we got a lot of fun. The season's coming up quick. Um, we, I'm, I'm going to try to get an interview in next week as well, too. Someone joining me on the podcast again. Like like I did last year, I'm going to try to have one interview a week. I want that to be a consistent part of this show. So uh, that's the plan. 
If you like what you see and you're a new listener, I'm so, so, so happy to have you. Uh, I guess like what you hear as well if you're listening on uh, wherever you get podcasts. But I'm thinking YouTube because like I said at the top of the show, we're marching to a thousand by Halloween. We're we're over four hundred. We're pushing towards five hundred as I record this. Um, I haven't checked this evening, so we might have we might have hit it. But but um, as I checked this morning, we're we're over we're over the five hundred up and 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 climbing. So don't wait around. If you've if you've been meaning to subscribe, don't be meaning to subscribe. Be subscribed. Go search on YouTube. Search for Lockdown Blades. Subscribe to the show. Uh, you can also. Find us wherever you already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.